It's Tuesday, November 10th. I'm Stephen Fee, and this is The Pen Pod, a podcast from PEN America. On today's edition, the history of ideological exclusion. Scholar Julia Rose Kraut unpacks the dark American history of deportation of dissidents and blocking people from the country who express disagreement. Her new book, Threat of Dissent, examines this trend throughout the 20th and 21st centuries and highlights the role PEN America played in fighting back. I'm Stephen Fee. That's coming up on The Pen Pod. Lawyer and historian Julia Rose Kraut has long been examining America's history of ideological exclusion, or laws and practices that bar or deport visitors or immigrants based on their beliefs or their expression. Her new book, Threat of Dissent, tells this dark parallel American history, and within the text, she unpacks how that history intersects with that of Penn America. Julie Excuse me, Julia Rose Kraut joins me now. Hi, Julia. Hi, Stephen. Um, thank you for being here. Oh, it's wonderful to talk with you. So I, I, obviously, I want to dive right into this book. I'm not sure a lot of people know this history of ideological exclusion and deportation and, and that it's been part of American history since the 18th century. Give, give us a sense of, of, of what this historical arc looks like. Sure. And what I mean by ideological exclusion and deportation is exclusion deportation based on political beliefs, associations, and expressions. Um, And I begin this history by tracing it back to the Alien and Sedition Acts of 1798, um, which you may have heard of. Uh, And the Alien Friends Act doesn't get a lot of attention, um, but that gave President Adams uh, power to deport anyone he deemed dangerous to the peace and safety of the United States. Now, he didn't deport anyone, which is why you don't really hear much about the Alien Friends Act. There's more focus on the Sedition Act. But it was not for a lack of trying, as I explain in my book. And I actually display a blank uh, deportation warrant signed by Adams to be used. Um, what really the focus is, though, is that this tremendous absolute power and discretion held by the executive. And that doesn't go away, that we see again and again um, laws passed that give tremendous power to the executive to exclude or deport. And I trace this history from 1798 to the war on terror and the Trump administration. So through uh, the exclusion of anarchists in the early 20th century, deportations delirium after World War I, the deportation effort of labor leaders and radicals during the Great Depression, and into the Cold War and McCarthyism, expanding efforts to exclude, deport, and denaturalize in the 1950s. And then exclusions um, continue from Nixon to Reagan and during the presidencies of George W. Bush and his father and now to Trump. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of an incredible uh, look at how to view American history over these last centuries. I mean, one of the things, of course, that struck us here at PEN America is that you write extensively about us and our role in fighting the 1952 McCarran-Walter Act. Uh, you know, what was that law in particular and, and what role did PEN play in the fight against certain provisions of it, of course, along with a lot of other people and organizations? Right. And I one of the things that I wanted to do and focus on this book um, on the book is uh, include a lot of organizations um, 
that were challenging ideological exclusion, deportation, some that you've heard of, like the American Civil Liberties Union, and then others like its precursor, the Free Speech League, um, and organizations like American Committee for Protection of Foreign Born and Emergency Civil Liberties Committee. And PEN American Center, now PEN America, was one of these organizations. Now, in 1952, Congress passes the Immigration and Nationality Act, which is known as the McCarran-Walter Act, after its sponsors, Senator Patrick McCarran and Congressman Francis Walter. And it includes um, provisions authorizing exclusion and deportation uh, of those who advocated or a member of organizations that advocated the economic, international, and governmental doctrines of world communism. And so this is passed at the height of McCarthyism. And many people become ensnared in this act, as well as um, an act passed two years before the Internal Security Act of 1950, the McCarran Act, which also has similar provisions. And so this is when I discussed Charlie Chaplin, um, denied reentry, and Graham Greene being excluded, Carlos Fuentes, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And now these provisions um, survive through uh, the 1960s and remain on the books to be used by Nixon and then by Reagan. And so where Penn America enters um, my narrative is in the 1980s during the Reagan administration. Um, Penn had already started to work very hard to get writers and artists into the United States, but becomes part of this uh, effort to challenge uh the Reagan administration's use of this vestige of McCarthyism and to call for repeals of uh, the, the law. And the efforts are led by Congressman Barney Frank and Penn has a number of events um, that uh, focus on um, exclusion of writers and highlighting their work. Uh, they testify they testify before Congress and describe the chilling effect on speech and damage to free exchange, communication, and to America's reputation abroad and the effect on writers like Marquez and Green. Um, and then I highlight uh, the 1986 Penn International Congress held in New York City um, when Penn President Norman Mailer invited Secretary of State George Schultz uh, to be the keynote. Um, and he gives an address, the writer and freedom, and was greeted with boos and hisses and a protest letter signed by members of Penn denouncing the State Department's use of ideological exclusion under the McCarran-Walter Act. So Penn is successful and Barney Frank is successful and those provisions are eventually repealed, but ideological exclusion um, remains in other forms. Yeah, I want to talk about that because I, I think that, you know, this is obviously coming up right now. I mean, we have this global pandemic where it appears that the Trump administration is sort of using this moment to continue its exclusionary policies on the immigration front. Um, and, and I think in, in some ways your book makes the case that, well, certainly in many ways, the president is an outlier, perhaps in this vein, you know, this is really is an extension of this pattern of ideological exclusion. I mean, do you think that that's right? Or do you think that that that, that Trump and, and, and his allies fall outside of that arc? Oh, no, they're definitely in it. Um, this is a uh, where we're seeing in the Trump administration is um, a real focus on immigration restriction. Um, that is at the heart of uh, what we've seen in the past four years. Um, 
ideological exclusion is still a, a live issue. And um, organizations, including Penn, um, such as uh, the Brennan Center for Justice, Knight First Amendment Institute, the ACLU, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, have raised concerns about social media and data collection used to exclude at the border um, and, or as part of retaliatory deportation efforts um, targeting activists. Uh, so we're seeing that, and I, I mentioned some of uh, those cases uh, of uh, use of social media um, to exclude in the book. Um, but when we were discussing surveillance and repression of activists and protests today, ideological exclusion must be part of that conversation, as well as immigration reform and looking at um, the tremendous power and discretion still held by the executive and the judiciary's deference uh, to the executive in terms of immigration issues. We saw that with uh, the travel ban, referred to as the Muslim ban, and also we saw that addressed in the No Ban Act um, that was recently passed uh, by the House of Representatives. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and of course, for our point of view, it's such a clear threat to free expression, especially the social media monitoring piece, because if someone feels that it's going to jeopardize their ability to travel, to come to conferences, to travel even for leisure or for other reasons, it might have a chilling effect on what they're willing to write or, or put out publicly. Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the concerns. Yeah. So how did you get to this topic? What, what was the genesis of writing this book? So I can trace the genesis actually to two decades ago when I was a college student at Columbia University. And I started writing about law and history and doing research on anarchists and anarchist suppression after the assassination of President McKinley in 1901. And I was looking at um, First Amendment and free speech issues in those early years of the 20th century, prior to World War One, And I stumbled upon the exclusion of an anarchist who I mentioned in the book named John Turner, an anarchist from England who's excluded under the Alien Immigration Act of 1903. And this is, becomes the first uh, ideological exclusion provision and the first exclusion under it. And what I do is I... I, I um, look at that case, and I was I was fascinated um, as a college student with the intersection of immigration and First Amendment law. And so, when I went to um, law school and then later got my PhD, I continued to do research in this area, especially um, looking at uh, current parallels with the war on terror and exclusion of scholars, writers, and artists, and then also tracing this through McCarthyism and. Um, through the Nixon and Reagan administration. And so it was drawing that line and finding this narrative and this rich history that's kept me interested for 20 years. Yeah, well, obviously it's 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 done the work, it's done the trick. It's kept you it's kept you hooked, and obviously has generated this amazing book. Uh, it's called Threat of Dissent. Uh, historian and lawyer uh, Julia Rose Kraut is the author. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And that's our episode for Tuesday, November 10th. Join us Friday for the Pen Pod. You can listen to all our episodes at pen.org. Follow us at Pen America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm Stephen Fee for Pen America. This is the Pen Pod. See you Friday. Mm-hmm.